We've been going through the book of John, chapter 17, and this is the high priestly prayer of the Lord. Um, These chapters, I would encourage you, maybe this would just sort of tweak your heart a little bit, go back and read the book of John. What What is John different than the other three Gospels? This speaks of Jesus as God. And in this uh, book, you find his miracles emphasized, his relationship to his father, his deity brought out in every way. And so as you came to chapter 14, 15, and 16, as you come to that, you would see Jesus getting the disciples prepared, ready to go up into heaven now. And he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then he prays this wonderful prayer in John chapter 17. And uh, we've discovered the first part of it three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Glorify thy son and we'll glorify you. And we talked about how we're glorified. God glorifies us through his eternal life. Uh, We have the glory of the father that comes our way. We're glorified with the father's name. We have the glory of his joy. And then his own glory is poured upon us. And uh, we thank God for that glory. And then the Lord said in verse 4, I have finished my work. And he said, now restore the glory to me. And we talked about how the Lord had, uh, from the very beginning, been part of the creation and how he had stepped down from eternity and he had uh, taken on human flesh and for these 33 years to imagine the eternal God that created all to be down inside his creation and laying aside the prerogatives of his Godhood. And he says, now restore the glory. And we talked about that. And we talked about the safety of the believers, how the Lord keep us in this world and from this world. And that's the part that we just dealt with last week. Tonight, we're going to look at John 17 and verse 17. That's an easy reference to remember. And I'd encourage you, mark that in your mind, in your heart, John 17, 17. It's a very simple verse. It's one of those verses, if you're quoting verses, you can quote this one, and it's not hard. Uh, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Boy, you got it right there, that simple. Just a few handful of words, and yet they're very powerful. Would you read that through with me twice, please? I'll say the reference, and then if you will say John 17. I'll let us get that turned off first. Okay, John 17, 17, and we'll say the reference, I mean, a verse twice together, right? John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Again, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. There's not a lot there that we don't know, but I hope tonight as we get done with this message that your heart will be encouraged afresh about the importance of the truth of the word of God. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you help us as we look at the word of God and the truth of the word of God and the truth that you've given us. Help me as I preach tonight to be able to have your strength and your ability. Father, open our hearts. Lord, we come from a week where we've been busy. And Lord, when we've been busy, sometimes we're distracted. Help us to center ourselves through the Holy Spirit into the Word of God. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. That word sanctify is a word that we often talk about. It's separate. It's to make holy, to make like God, sanctify. They help them, Lord, to be set apart from this world. We Just before this point, we've talked about, Lord, keep them in this world, keep them from this world, and then how is he going to do it? Sanctify them with thy truth, thy word is truth. What is God going to use to help the believer in the midst of this world to be 
separated from this world. How is God going to keep us clean? How is he going to take us unto himself? How is God going to cleanse and sanctify his believers? It's through the study of the word of God. I would propose something to you tonight. As America has turned from the word of God, it's lost its sanctification. America is a filthy, vile place in comparison to what it was years ago. And I'm not preaching against America, please. I'm not anti-American. I'm just sad. And there's a reason. We have done away with the scrub brush and the power of the Word of God like it was in our schools and our colleges and, and, and our politics and, and in everyday discourse of life. Today, it is absolutely politically incorrect to get up and base a political speech or any kind of a public referendum on the power and with authority of the Word of God. That would be almost be anathema. That would just be something that would, you know, the tide of the press and people and they'd want to tar and feather you. And as a result, we live in a Bibleless, a truth searching in a darkened world. I was walking past one of the teachers that was talking about the Middle Ages. And in the Middle Ages, just around that period of time, we called them the Dark Ages. The Dark Ages were a time, and she was explaining how the, the feudal different societies, you never left that little piece of land, and, and you just never knew what was going on elsewhere, and you just live in this little darkened little container of land, and that's where all you knew you lived, died, were, were buried there, and your children lived, died, were buried, and there was not a lot of passing around of knowledge. It was a dark era. We live in a dark era in America where we can see the twilight, the lights are going out. And the light that is going out is the light of the Word of God. And we as a society have chosen to do that. We have chosen to allow that to happen. And you know, Christians, this is, this is the power of this verse tonight. We find they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. The world does not like the truth of the word of God. Can I remind you, go back with me to John chapter 3 for just a moment. These are the verses about salvation. We know John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. But look at verse 17. For God sent not his world, his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because that he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus has come into the world. The truth has been made manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. That's what, it's not a brand new struggle. It's not a new need. In our day and light uh, time, we need lamp. Lifters, light lifters. We need people to take the word of God and hold it up. We need pastors and preachers. We need individuals in their different places and their families and their, their jobs and in our society and in our politics to lift up the word of God. We need people to lift up the light and the darkness. And what happens when light is lifted in darkness? Darkness is dispelled. 
and darkness is defeated. Oh, darkness doesn't like it. Uh, for everyone that is doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be reproved or made manifest or rebuked. See, that's what happens when you put light up. It shows all the actions that are going on in the world. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. This is the power of the word of God. So we, we lay that just sort of as a basis. Let's look at a few things. First of all, he says, uh, he says sanctify them through thy truth. It's hard for us to see through the English into maybe what was the original word there. That word through is the word en. We would say in. Sanctify them in thy word. That's an important thing. We are sanctified when we are in the word of God. Do you know what? You do not sanctify your house by having a great big family Bible. I can remember years ago, it just seemed like every ministry was giving away these big old family Bibles. Send me 50 bucks and I'll send you a great big old family Bible. And every place you went, you would find everybody right on their, on their, uh, or their coffee table or somewhere like that. They'd have this, oh, it's all embossed and it's the most beautiful thing. Family heirloom, you write, you know, the so-and-so died and so-and-so was married. And the, you know what I'm talking about? That isn't what sanctifies you. That you have like a, a, a rabbit's foot. You ever been around people that have rabbit's feet or they, they have a St. Christopher medal hanging on their mirror and they got a Bible laying here? This is not a rabbit's foot. You don't come up to that, oh, sanctify them through thy word. And yet you'd think that some people have like 50 Bibles. Problem is they're still in the box. They're not red, they're not underlined, they're not all the rest. I was talking to somebody before a church, and they said, you know, I think I need to get a new Bible, mine's wearing out. It's a good thing. When's the last time you wore out a Bible? You know, you're saved for a few years, your Bible should start looking a little worn and torn, not because you misuse it, but it's just like when our kids come to the academy, and you see some kids that are having trouble with their grades, let me see your book, and it's like, Perfect. Yeah, you're a little worried. They, they never open the thing. You know, they're not doing their homework. And that's the problem. That word through is the word in. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We, when we're in the word of God, how many messages have you heard in your lifetime on personal devotions? Thousand? Five hundred? Hundreds? Why do you think pastors and preachers of the Word of God are burdened to get across the people? It's your own personal relationship to the Word of God that's going to make you a strong person in this world. Sanctify them through thy truth. And that truth is found in this book right here. Over the years, people will say, Oh, you know, my church down so-and-so and they name some church. Oh, they, I'm not getting fed down at that church. And boy, I'm just shriveling up as a Christian. You know what? That's an indictment of your own devotions. It may be a bad thing for that pulpit. Shame on that preacher. I'm not trying to hold up that preacher. But you know what? If my preacher didn't feed me, I'd be disappointed. But I know where I'd go home and get my own Bible. 
And I know on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to have a good meal. Amen? I can't blame the preacher if I'm starving. And I can't blame the preacher if I don't know the Word of God. It's our relationship. Sanctify them in or through the Word, through the truth. Let me ask you a question. You've already had three days this week. Have you been in your Bible? Have you been in your Bible? So, well, I, 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 hey, just calling it like I see it. We are not sanctified by having a Bible. We're sanctified because we're in the Word, and the Word of God is in us. It's like a little kid going to the bathroom, and he's got to take a bath, and he swishes his finger around. Did you take a bath? Yeah. No, you didn't. Go back and do it again. You ever done that? Uh, I've got my kids. You can put water behind the ears, behind the elbow, and you know, go back. You've got to do another round. What are your devotions like, number two? Are you in the Word? What kind of devotions are you having? Sometimes I'll have students come in and they're saying, having trouble. Yeah, they're, they're looking and they're studying, but they just really don't know how to study the Word of God. What's your relationship to really knowing your Bible? It's amazing to me how many Christians can be saved for a good number of years. They don't know the simple things, the books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. They don't know their way or even around the Bible. They're still using the, that index at the beginning. Like that. And they, they've just never remembered. You ask them, where's the, oh, I believe in the Ten Commandments. Where is it in the Bible? In the Old Testament? Why don't we try Exodus chapter 20? Go and have it marked out. Can you name the Ten Commandments? Well, I believe in them. Well, what are they? I believe in love. The New Testament talks about love. Which chapter? You know, when I was a freshman, I Lord called me to preach a Bible college. I was my second weekend. And I had to take an exam because you have a large school and they divided you into the those that had a really good background in your Bible that gave you a test and they put you in like advanced New Testament survey or you had to take egghead New Testament survey. So I took the test and I took egghead New Testament survey. Mrs. Butts took advanced New Testament survey. But you know, all they ask you on that question, listen, this, these are the questions they ask you to, 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 to differentiate how much you know about the Bible. Where is the love chapter in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13. Where is the book of the chapter on faith? Hebrews chapter 11. And they just went through and asked questions just like that. Where would you find the resurrection of Jesus Christ? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Where would you find Jesus Christ is the vine? That is John 15. Okay, just simple. I mean, those are what you would call Bible 101 questions. You know what? I was studying for the ministry. It really, it really revealed how little I knew of the Word of God. I loved the Lord, but I needed to be sanctified in the Word of God. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And tonight, that, that really called my bluff, and it took me going off to college, getting in a place where I, I was put face-to-face, -face and I had the tools. Listen, you're in a Bible-preaching church. One of the things last Sunday that burned my heart was the number of people that are just not coming to the morning Sunday school hour. What is Sunday school? It's Bible study. That's where we bring our kids to study the Bible. That's where we as adults come to be reminded and study the Bible. 
I was really impressed when I went into Dr. Hodge's offices and we're you know, sort of decommissioning everything and just seeing his Bible open there and his computer and the things and studying the Word of God. Here we went 91 years old, just studying the Word of God, learning and have all of his tools all laid out there in front of him. It's an endless process in our lives. And I don't know about you, but my forgetter is better than my rememberer at this age. And I need to be reminded. I need to be in the Word of God. I need to be under the Word of God. I need to be through the Word of God. I am sanctified through thy truth. So we talk about the idea of it being truth. This is truth. And in this world, we get confused. You listen to a slick talker. You listen to some politician out there. Next thing, you're voting for the devil's message and his philosophy in your life. And boy, the world's full of a lot of philosophies. Just believe your heart. That's the opposite of the Bible message. Do the best, and you can do it by yourself. The Bible says you can't do it without Christ. On and on and on we could go. You believe we're still on the introduction tonight, just getting warmed up. Let's look at a few things about the Word of God is the truth of the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says that we take the sword of the Spirit. Here we, here we go through all the armor of the Word of God. There's only one piece that's on the offense. The rest are defensive. The one thing that's going to help us in this world to navigate and to be able to defend ourselves and, and to be on the offense and to, and to really make a difference, it's the sword of the Spirit. It's the sword of the Word of God. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, please. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to run through a lot of different verses very quickly tonight. Mark these. I would encourage you, mark them as we go. 2 Peter 1.19. We have also a more sure word. Mark that in your Bible. We don't just have a sure word. We don't just have a word. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that ye take what? Heed. What's heed mean? You listen and it makes a difference in your life. Doesn't do any good just to know the word. You've got to take heed unto it as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day arise, star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's God. This is inspiration, and we can learn a lot of other verses to talk about the, the, the source of the Word of God is God himself. And you know what? God's Word, number one, is eternal. It's the eternal Word of God. It's inspired. It's powerful. Often we look at Hebrews 4.12, but would you look with me, please, over at Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah, that's what we call it, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 23, I could stop and preach. I, I, I got stuck on this this afternoon as I was reviewing my message. I wanted to go back and say, let's just preach this, uh, this passage. Look at verse 29, 23, 29. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rocks in pieces? Listen, the word of God is so powerful. Uh, 
this morning I drove down to school and as I was driving, did you see the fire that was burning over here, this apartment complex that caught on fire? They had all the alarms in the area. I mean, it burned on. They could do nothing for it for over 10 hours. It just burned. It is a shot straight up in the air. The word of God's just like that. Wow. It's powerful. Take the word of God. It consumes. The Bible says it's like a sword that it pierces, and it's like a hammer. It breaks in pieces. And boy, when I was a kid, I used to love to watch a jackhammer. You ever watch a jackhammer? Hard concrete. And that guy would, I would watch him take that jackhammer and put it on a guy. And they always have a fat guy do it. Puts it underneath his belly. And he's just breaking up the concrete. And the word of God's like that. It just breaks up the hard, fallow ground. Boy, my heart gets hard as yours. I get out in this life, and I get tired, and different things happen, and I get sort of, oh, I'm dealing with problems, and I get in the Word of God, and it's like the refreshing rain coming down on my heart softens it right up, makes it ready for God, keeps me from being a cynical old man. Amen? The Word of God keeps me soft. It, it takes away the hardness. of the. It's a powerful Word of God. In this passage of Scripture, oh, I'm so tempted to want to go back and do this. There was a problem in the verses just before it. The preachers weren't preaching the truth. That's what it says in verses 23 up through 29. It says that they were preaching false prophecies. God had told them the truth, but it wasn't popular to preach the truth. And they wouldn't preach the truth. And he just simply says, why don't you preach the truth? Because it's like a fire. It is like a hammer. And this is what our society needs. And then the verses that follow it are just as profitable. He said, preach the burden that God's put in your heart. And if you look at the word, your burden in your heart, it's there like 10, 15 times. Just go down and circle it in this passage of Scripture. God's given us a burden for our country, and the burden's out of the Word of God. We need the truth. We need the righteousness of God. We need to be sanctified, and we need to let that out. We need to preach the truth, not the false, little, soft, pasty things that people want to hear. We need to preach the truth of the Word of God. And that's what's going to sanctify our families and sanctify us and sanctify this this country. So we preach the word of God and we sanctify them through the word of God. You know that word, sanctify them through the truth. That word truth is an interesting word. It actually comes from the word that means lies. You say, what? Where did you get lies out of that? And then it sticks a negative in front of it. Ah. Lathia. The word lathia comes from the idea of a bunch of lies. We preach not the lies. We preach the truth. Who is the father of lies? John 8.44. Satan is. Go there. Look at John 8.44. Boy, John talks a lot about the truth. And here we are in John 17, aren't we? But he, over and over again, he comes back to this idea, especially in this 8th chapter. But look at 844. Ye are of your father the devil. I wonder if he's talking about politicians or what here. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not. He abode not. He abode not where? In the truth. Because there was no truth in him. How much truth does he have in him? None. He's liar. You ever met somebody that's like a liar? You know, when I was a young pastor, I, re- I met my first guy that had been an addict for a long time, and he was a through-and-through through convincing liar, and he was so smooth, he made his words seem absolute truth. He could lie so convincingly, and I bought it all the way. 
You ever met somebody like that? I mean, they just lie so... That's Satan on steroids. Listen, sooner we understand that, he can make the the lie seem true. He's a liar. Who bought the first load of his lies? Eve. And who bought dessert? Adam. Think about it. He's a liar from the beginning. The truth is not in him. Go on, it says, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. One thing you can be sure, if Satan's involved, he's going to be speaking a lie. For he is a liar, and he's the father or the source of it all. So let's go back to that word aletheia. The word aletheia comes from the word, this is the non-lie. Sanctify them through the non-lie. Sanctify them through thy word, the non-lie. Satan's word is the lie. Do you get the idea here in the scripture? Isn't that a beautiful thing? I wish I knew the truth. Here it is. Christians, we need to be absolutely convinced of the power of the Word of God and the, and the authenticity of it being from the Word of God. And I tell you, there's another whole message. The devil would love to destroy the authority of this book by making us wonder, is it the Word of God? Yea, hath God said. It's no new thing that Satan does. He puts a question mark over truth. Like, are you sure it's true? If there's something that's true in our society of the millennial, the millennial says there is no truth. We're searching for the truth. But one thing that they have found in studies about millennials, if they think they found it, they'll stand stronger than any generation before them. You know what? We need to help our millennials find out they've been looking right past the truth the whole time. Right here. This is what the society, this is what the millennial needs. It's not they need more entertainment. We need to redecorate our churches, and we need to do this and that and change our programs. We need to get out and convincingly preach the straight word of God. I'll give you an idea. You say, well, pastor, how do we do that? There was an old, old lady one day. She was arguing with an atheist. And that atheist was so clever, just running circles around her. She couldn't say that she was so confused. And he said, well, what do you say to that, old lady? And she said, I don't know everything you said, but she said, I do know that the Bible's true. And she reached up and she grabbed his nose and she twisted his heart and she said, the ringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. Can I say to you, you stick them with the word of God. They can say they don't believe it, but they still bleed. I don't believe a word of what you're saying. Okay, just let me say it anyhow. That, let the word do the work. Well, I can't think that statement without thinking of Dr. Hodges. Let the word do the work. Where's the blessing? It's not in the knowing, it's the, in the doing. Boy, wasn't that beautiful? Well, that's Dr. Hodges right there. And you know what? That was the strength of his ministry because he understood the word of God. Boy, it really blesses my heart to think of that tonight. You know, people, this is the truth, and I'm only partway through what I want to get to tonight, and we're, we're running out of time. But the word of God, let me just give you some thoughts without the scriptures. The word of God penetrates. It's that two-edged sword that pierces even to the divide and a soul and asunder. The word of God will just cut right through it all. 
You ever seen a blade that was so sharp? I mean, you, you got the things that we have in our kitchen. Mm, 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 you know. Then you take this like, whoa. You ever been down to Sam's or something? They're cutting it. Wham. Take the word of God. It pierces. It'll cut through everything. It'll get right down to the truth always. Let the word of God do the work. And then we know that the word of God pierces. But the word of God has a way of revealing. The word of God will bring out if a person's in obedience or disobedience. The word of God just shakes it all out and says, it's here or here, make up your mind. It just lays it out. It doesn't put a lot of cotton or pretty pictures. It says, truth, non-truth, make up your mind. Just cuts it out, lays it out for us. The word of God penetrates where God reveals. And you know, a, a scripture verse I thought was very interesting, James 1.25, the word of God blesses. The Bible says that when a man receives and does the word of God, blessed is that man. When you and I take the word of God, heed the word of God, do the word of God, let it have its work in our life, I am blessed. This generation needs to be sanctified by the word of God, by the truth of the word of God. The word of God, truth does not change. God is truth. The word is truth. Jesus Christ is the word of God made flesh. It's always been the same, all generations. Let the word of God. Can I go back to my pretext that we went back to? Because we're in the word of God. It doesn't do all of us a lot of good to know all this if we're not in the Word of God. There is where it starts. So I ask you tonight, are you in the Word of God? Be honest with yourself. That's where you're going to be blessed. Heavenly Father, may you help us tonight to understand just, Lord, we just picked off the surface of this verse tonight. I pray, Father, that we would be in your Word, that we get our roots in truth, Lord, I find so many times friends of mine that they're independent and they're fundamental and they're Baptist, but they're not Bible. I pray, Father, that we would be Bible. That, Lord, we would just be in your truth. Help us, Lord, to saturate, to soak in it, to let it soften us, to let it penetrate, let it reveal to us before you as we look in the mirror of the Word of God. And Lord, may you bless us as we do. Help us to be a Berean church, that we'd go home and we'd study whether those things are really true, that we just want truth from you. In Jesus' name. And